Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And today we have a special treat because we have a Survivor 41 player, maybe the Survivor 41 player, mm, that's like not the winner. Uh, Ricard Foyer is joining us. It's been a long time coming because I think if you follow us on social media, Ricard has been a big supporter of Drop Your Buffs, often putting us in his stories and encouraging people to listen to us, which I think has um, brought a lot of the Ricard crew on board to drop your buffs. So hopefully they're happy with this one. Uh, Evan, what what are your thoughts on Ricard in season 41? I know we just talked about the finale, but like, and it's still fresh. It's still fresh. But I'm curious sort of what your thoughts are on Ricard as a player of Survivor. I mean, I think Ricard played a really fascinating game in thinking about his pre-merge game and his post-merge to to borrow um, what Danny mentioned at Final Tribal about if you look at the game like you do it at, as football only in three parts rather than mm-hmm. four quarters mm-hmm. as football <laughs> is played. But if we're deploying that same, you know, sort of uh, vantage point, looking at Ricard pre-merge, Ricard between merge to top eight and then Ricard from top eight to his eventual ousting uh, where he plays in fifth, right? Yeah fifth overall. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just a really incredible journey. And I think that there's a self-awareness to Ricard uh, that is, is it's, it's striking against how many players in this game sort of lack that quality. It's a really interesting quality to watch in a game like this, especially when so much of this game is perception. But I think that it seemed to be that what Ricard was putting down, the tribe was picking up. Like there seemed to be uh, people often thought Ricard was scheming, but like they thought he was scheming because he was scheming, but also scheming is how you win the game. So I just think there was a lot of complexity to Ricard. And then on top of that, I really enjoyed listening to his post-game interview. I'm new, as as you know, 41 is my first mm-hmm. time watching in real time. So I'm new to like watching fans react along with the show, which is a completely different experience of the show. Yeah. Like, I cannot overstate that enough. Also, just watching it week to week. Anyway, so it's been really interesting watching Ricard's post-show interviews uh, and getting to know him better. And I really want to say, and this comes through in this interview, as you listeners will hear shortly, he's really willing to like go inside the game with us, right? And I think mm-hmm. that there's a diplomacy sometimes when it comes to talking to players about sort of like, you know, what really happened. And I just felt like he really offered up a lot. And uh, I, I really enjoyed our time with him. Yeah, I think Ricard's an interesting case because outside of the game, the sort of fan reaction to Ricard has really been a roller coaster ride because, you know, in the first episode, we had the Guys Gate situation with the come on in guys uh, and Ricard being the one to speak up on that. And then this like insane backlash from like the Reddit crew uh, against him and then and former players and the sort of toxic ones (laughs) and then sort of him having to you know start from the bottom and then sort of climb back up in terms of respectability and then Mm -hmm. I think by the end of the season the audience really respected Ricard to the point where I think a lot of them 
were rooting for him to win, him or Erica. And I think that that's really fascinating, like outside of the game, which I thought his game was really interesting. Also starting as a as part of a duo on Ua and this whole like Matt Singh sort of situation that they had going on there with Shan and Ricard being the only two left of Ua heading into the merge. And then sort of like the that story climaxing with the blind side of Shan and then him having to continue on. Like that's one thing that happened, but then the sort of like outside looking in audience reaction to Ricard was a whole other journey that we went on. So it was really refreshing, I think, to get such a complex character, especially in modern seasons, because I feel like so often there's not a whole lot of nuance to characters on Survivor anymore. And so it was kind of nice to have like, you know, like a lovable villain in a way. And there's also a... I'm trying to think, like I mentioned the perceptiveness of Ricard, and I was trying to think of like an example of that. And that happens in that reward, right? The famous reward in which uh, Heather asks Shan about the Shantham. But during that reward, there's that really intense conversation that happens between uh, Shan and Ricard. And, and, you know, Shan expresses the fact that um, she's worried that she can't win the game and everything mm-hmm. um, because she's a woman. And, and Ricard says something, I think it's one of the quotes of the season where he says, I think this time it's going to be different. This season it's going to be different. And I think that, the, again, speaking to perceptiveness, I think Ricard was very aware of both like the, the game that was happening on the ground and then like the 360, like a uh, high level, higher up, I don't know the term, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like the, the, the vantage point that's high up, he was looking at the game from that way too. He kind of almost like... As a fan of the show, he was playing also as the audience member, kind of trying to say, like, you should do this thing. And I appreciated that that sort of hyper level of awareness. Um, and yeah, like, as you mentioned, this fandom, I, I was new also to the toxic fandom that exists in Survivor because I'm mostly listening to these podcasts that were taped a long time ago that are more episodic recaps. I'm less in the... Reddits and I just learned about Edgic recently. Yeah. Um, this is like the part of Survivor that I don't know a ton about. And so, you know, seeing that vitriol, especially from former players, was like tough that, like, you know, these people who really do have the attention of a lot of, you know, fans of the show chose to use it in such a nasty way. That was shocking. Yeah. And I have to imagine it was just so hard for Ricard as clearly a super fan of the show, playing the show, and then to have that reaction from his fellow fan community. Yeah. Uh, that can't have been like a great feeling, but ultimately, like it's, I'm so curious. I wish that we had asked him like what he was thinking, knowing the arc that he had coming mm-hmm. to be like, you all are probably gonna turn around on me. Well, it's I, hard to imagine what the audience is ever gonna think about you, but uh, yeah, what an arc. I think he's a shoe-in as a returning player. I don't think we've seen the last of Ricard yet. And I hope we haven't heard the last of Ricard. So with that, let's throw to our interview with Ricard. Ricard Foyer was a 31-year-old flight attendant when he was marooned in Fiji earlier this year in the middle of a pandemic to compete in Survivor 41. Ricard was placed on the Ua tribe alongside the Mafia pastor, Shan Smith, who became his number one ally in the game. Together, they survived four pre-merged tribal councils, they swindled JD out of an extra vote, and they took an idol right out from under Jeannie's nose. When the tribes sort of merged, Ricard and Shan were the last two standing from Ua. In the now infamous turn-back time twist, Ricard found himself in a vulnerable position 
but thanks to some fancy footwork, managed to secure the first individual immunity win of the season. Ricard settled into an alliance that, at its core, was made up of the four black players remaining in the game, Shan, Liana, Danny, and Deshaun. Together, they sent home Sydney and Tiffany. In a twist on day 17, the merged tribe was divided into two, and Ricard brilliantly convinced Shan to use her extra vote to split the vote, keeping them both safe and blindsiding Nasir, sending him to the jury with the Nidal in his pocket. Then, on day 19, after winning both reward and immunity, Ricard made arguably the biggest move of the season, blindsiding Shan and effectively dismantling the alliance that had been secretly targeting him. With his new alliance composed of Xander, Erica, and Heather, Ricard voted Liana out next. On a new island, the final five searched for the last advantage in the game, a head start in the next immunity challenge, which Erica found, giving her the leg up she needed to win that challenge and leave Ricard vulnerable at the next vote. At a moving tribal council, Ricard reflected on his incredible game and revealed to the tribe and jury that he had a new baby on the way back home. That night, Ricard was sent to the jury where he became a cheerleader for Erica and cast one of the seven votes that crowned her the winner of Survivor 41. With four individual challenge wins, Ricard is the challenge beast of Survivor 41. Plus, he's Drop Your Buffs' biggest fan. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast, Ricard Foyer. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you, Evan. This is our first time speaking, Evan. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Uh, we're so excited to have you here today. And I just want to mention, because this is an audio podcast and people cannot see you, but we can see you. And the hair that we referenced, the hair that everyone saw during that final tribal that we referenced this morning on Drop Your Buffs, the hair is intact today. The hair looks voluminous and beautiful. <laughs> and uh, for all those cameos out there that you're going to be recording, everyone is going to get not only your presence, but your hair in these videos. Video. So book Ricardo on Cameo. Okay, so let's get right into it to maximize our time here together. Let's actually rewind the tape to day one when Jeff first welcomed you to the game and he opens up a discussion on the phrase, come on in, you guys, or come on in, guys. There was a hesitant agreement from the cast that his use of the word guys was okay with everyone. But then, as you remember, at the next immunity challenge, you said, quote, I don't agree that we should use the word guys. The reality is Survivor has changed over the past 21 years, and those changes have allowed all of us, all of these black people, brown people, Asian people, so many queer people, et cetera, to be here simultaneously, end quote. I have to imagine that you thought a lot about your decision to speak up. Can you tell us about how you arrived at your decision to speak up on the phrase and how you feel about it now that it has aired and become such a big talking point this season, to say the least? <laughs> well, you know, what's really what's very difficult about it is right when we're there, it's so intimidating. I, I truly cannot put into words what the initial experience is like of the marooning the hundreds of cameras, the hundred, like, I mean, there's just so much there um, that you, you can't really understand, even though there was a clip that showed, like the behind the scenes, it showed the camera people, that it felt still very minimal to what you see in front of your own eyes. And so when I'm standing there, they have never heard my voice before. And at that particular point, he had not called on me yet. There's a, a cut scene where he continues to ask like, hey, what's your name? Which is hysterical because he knows all of our names. He chose us and we had already spoken to him individually. And so there's, he, I have never spoken out loud and I know how I look. I know you haven't met me in person, but like 
the way I look, especially if you're not hearing my voice, is a lot more intimidating than what you get when I speak. And so I did not want my first initial moments to be, hey, so this is my favorite show in the world and all of these super fans' favorite show. And I would love to change it. Like, I can't fathom that actually being my first interaction to the game. I just couldn't. And what was so disappointing was, although I'm not offended by the phrase, I know my husband is. I know that I work for a queer youth camp where we specifically focus on inclusive language. We specifically focus on not saying ladies and gentlemen and not saying, um, oh, that's crazy. Or, you know, all of these phrases that are just very othering. And so for me to be in this game for money and to not have my integrity intact and the bravery to say what I know is right for my community, even if it's not right for me, that doesn't matter. It's, it's my community. I was so disappointed in myself. And so when I went back to camp, or well, I went back to camp, when I actually went to camp for the first time, I had a very long conversation with Shan and Sarah, and they both agreed that they had wished they had said something. In addition to that, we had a full camp conversation where we all agreed that I was going to say something at the next challenge. So this was not random. It was not out of the blue. It was just I wasn't comfortable at that time, and I regretted it, and I made the decision to say something. I did not anticipate the pushback from, I, I really did not. Um, I also was very specific with my wording. Not that I have an issue with people assuming that maybe I'm a little more sensitive or maybe I was offended, but I specifically did not say I was offended. And so it's funny the assumption that poor little old dainty me is changing, begging even for Jeff to change the show for little me when that's not, I don't even understand that interpretation. So it was really difficult. Real quick on that, did you have any reaction to seeing uh, several former players of this game, who shall not be named on this podcast, but several <laughs> former players who went out of their way to speak out against the decision and speak out against you on social media? You know, it was very surprising. Uh, this is my very first day of being like in the canon of Survivor. Not week, not month. My first day there were already videos put out. Um, I thought there was going to be a camaraderie of introducing the new cast. I did not anticipate, you know, the barrage of posts before the season even aired of putting an asterisk next to our season because we weren't authentic. Um, being told that, you know, we didn't deserve the million dollars because we didn't do the real thing. And so, I had already seen that, but I thought we were going to be off limits. I thought it was going to be, we're gonna support our people, but we don't like the structure. I did not anticipate being made fun of by past players, especially players that I love. And I knew, you know, maybe their political opinions and whatever, but that didn't matter to me. That, that's the whole point of this game. I don't wanna play the game with all people that have the exact same views as me. That's not a social experiment. Why, why the hell am I here? I don't want to just play with a whole bunch of queens. I want to play with everybody and show that I can like make this happen. And so I still admire people that don't have my views. But damn, I did not. I did not anticipate that. Um, and I was only outspoken in one instance with one person and I let it go. I wasn't going to bother myself with that. So you and Shan will go down in history as one of the all-time great survivor duos. 
We heard multiple times throughout the season, you know, before you voted her off, that you were each other's number ones in the game. Tell us about your initial impressions of Shan at Ua Beach and how did you come to this number one status? How quick was that? What's the origin story of Ricard and Shan? Um, It's really interesting and it's hard because I'm very much someone that I don't like behind the scenes chatter. I love the magic. I love the magic of Disneyland. I love the magic of Disney World, not knowing where the characters pop out. I love that. Um, But I saw her one time before the game began in this green shirt that said Minecraft and her hair was massive and amazing and she had a mask on. I didn't see her face. And I was obsessed. I was obsessed with her. Then I see that we're on the beach together. I'm like, oh my God, we're on the same damn team. This is amazing. And I had come to a lot of decisions with my gameplay that you you find out very quickly your idea of what you're going to do is not actually what you do. You have no say in your game. Like it is so difficult and emotionally draining. And I wasn't gonna tell anybody it was hard of hearing, but I decided to tell everyone immediately. I introduced myself, I said how to pronounce my name, and then I said, just so you all know I'm hard of hearing before I ever even heard Brad's name. Shan later that day took me to the beach And we had this moment of her saying, that is so brave of you to say something, especially that could other you in this game. And she shared with me, she didn't say MS, but she said she had an autoimmune disease and she just finished a few rounds of chemo. And so then I shared with her that I had had some lumps removed and we, we shared this medical history kind of that bonded us and that we were scared and we talked about like the fear of you know just all the things I don't want to get into our medical history on it <laughs> but we really it bonded us and solidified us and we also talked about just initial impressions of during the marooning staring at each other and smiling at each other and just wanting to speak and craving it and we couldn't and it just made it even so much better that we loved each other instantly when we heard each other's voices and so that was it was pretty disheartening to see our origin story be cut. Um, I, I think it made it more difficult to root for us as a duo at the beginning. And it kind of othered me from being a conspirator in these really amazing moves because it was just like, you're seeing Shan. And then you're seeing me call Genie a spare tire. And then you're seeing Shan. And then you're seeing me say, I hate JD. You know, it, it was very like little snippets of negativity um, from my side but we were so solid and so beautiful and so kind to one another. And I, I wish I wish you all got to see it because it was really awesome. Well, I have to say that when we did finally get to see it a few episodes later, it was such a thrill as, you know, both Sean, myself, and you as well are big fans of the show. And to see two alpha players playing the game together and not going after one another was really exciting and a dynamic sort of uh, change of pace for the show that made the chemistry between you two just so electrifying. But let's talk about a fellow UA member. You just referenced her. Let's talk Jeannie. Let's put some respect on Jeannie's name. Um, (laughs) You and Jeannie were two queer people of color on UA, and Sean and I talked a lot about early on that we had hoped that the two of you would work closely together. such was not the case. And so I'm curious, what was your relationship like with Jeannie? And do you think that she could have been a long-term ally for you if Ua hadn't been decimated in the pre-merge? Um, she could never be an ally of mine. I, I had no I had no desire to work with her in a game sense. But it's funny because I love her. We were tight out there. Like we bonded, we would sit by the fire talking for hours while everyone was asleep. Like 
we had a real connection, but I know what I need in an alliance, and she was not it. When we voted out Sarah, it, it, it became very clear that she cannot keep a secret, and she's too honest and too kind, as we've seen with the idol, like that she handed us. She, she went up to Sarah before tribal council and said, hey, I just want to tell you, man, you need to play that shot in the dark as we're voting you out, but I love you, Sarah. I'm like, what are you doing? You're ruining our literal blind side? What, what is this? Because that was always the plan to take out Sarah. It was never Brad. It was never JD. That's not the true story, the edit, what the edit insinuates. Um, and I just, I couldn't do that. I need somebody who is cutthroat like me and who is willing to keep their mouth shut and do what we need to do to make this work. And she was too kind. I love her. I love her in the real world. Jeannie Machini is honestly one of my favorite people on this cast. But an Alliance member, she is not. <laughs> <laughs> well, after you eliminated Jeannie Machini on day 12, you were part of a team that won the privilege of wearing a Merge Tribe buff and enjoying a Merge feast and being safe at the first post-Merge Tribal Council until Erica smashed an hourglass and took that safety away. We saw Danny have a pretty negative reaction to this twist, and luckily you won individual immunity, so you were safe. But what was your reaction to the twist in the moment? Um, you know, it was really complicated because I had a moment of relief because I thought the twist was somebody was coming back in the game. And I assumed that when they said, oh, she has this big decision, the word decision made me think, oh, she got to choose which player comes back. And I thought it was going to be Jeannie or JD. And I was terrified by it. I, I, I just, it made me sick to my stomach. And then he said, oh, you just lose immunity. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, I was so relieved until it actually hit me. It, it really didn't hit me until after the challenge. And I think it was similar for Danny. There were some negative reactions instantaneously. Um, but it was nothing like when we got back to camp. I mean, there were tears, there was yelling. It was, it was a very intense thing. And I think it really has to do with the verbiage. It has nothing to do with the twist. I, I was game for the twist, very similar to Deshaun, throw it at us, but don't lie. And that was the, that was the vibe that people had. It was, you are guaranteed immunity. And this is, I, you know, we've seen past seasons where they like, oh, is it merge? Well, we don't actually say it, so it's not a lot. No, this this was, you are guaranteed a spot in the final 10 or final level, whatever it was. And it just wasn't that. And so it was, it was hard, but I was fortunate enough that that was a challenge I always wanted to do. I'm exceptionally good with my feet. And I said before I went out in the game, like, I want to do that because I'm, I have, like, just being a gymnast and whatever, I have flexibility and weird toes, whatever. I wanted to do that challenge and I got to do it and that's a really cool thing and then to win it so I, I didn't really have the breakdown that other folks have but if I was more vulnerable I probably would have I would have been very pissed but I, it just wasn't in my story do you think that if that twist had not happened and Erica simply returned from Exile Island do you think her story may have been cut short there was that going to be the plan I mean that's the plan we saw on the show um, yeah, you know, I thought a lot about that because the default, yes, everybody wanted Erica to go. I, d I had never met her, so it was, it didn't matter to me. I had no emotional connection or bond. But I think 
Shan and I were aware enough of the game that even if that was the truth, we were thinking too far ahead of like, um, they have all the Luvu and the first move they want to make is get rid of a Luvu. This just doesn't add up. And I think we would have questioned it enough that we would have joined with Yasa and taken out one of them. Um, that wasn't Erica because they were lying to us. I think that's just like the assumption that would have been made. But, you know, she was immune and it, that just never had to play out. Hmm. And if you didn't win immunity, do you think you might have been in trouble? Because you were you were the only Ua who would have been uh, vulnerable at that vote without the help of Shan unless she was going to play her eye. Like, were you concerned there about no. your place? I wasn't. Um, I think I think I would have only been concerned if specifically Evie had won. That that might have been the case where I could have been in danger. But I had already heard Danny at the merch feast talk about how he wanted to keep men in the game because he was concerned that Ua and Yasa were trying to take out women. And although I am not on board with any of those shenanigans. If that's going to keep me safe for today, okay, yeah, let's, let's get rid of Evie. Bye, Evie. <laughs> but, you know, it, that didn't happen. I didn't have to think about that. And I think I might have been able to still convince them to get out Sydney, especially seeing how they were all on board with Sydney going home. Hmm. When the shot in the dark was played, we agreed that Sydney was going to be going home. If something went awry, it was totally fine. If we had to do a revote, you know, Maybe Evie would have gone, but maybe Sydney, because we assumed that Sydney was the one who told about the knowledge's power to Xander. We did oh. not know that Shan was the one. Shan specifically said, Sydney's double crossing us. She told them about the knowledge's power. She lied to everyone and said it was Sydney when it was actually her telling um, Tiffany. I didn't know that until a while later. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think we still would have gone out Sydney because she was a traitor. And that's why I, I don't think it's in the edit. I whispered to Sydney, play your shot in the dark, because I knew it would either. I, it felt likely it would be a tie or she would just go because she wouldn't have that extra vote. She was already going to do it. That's not like my move, but I definitely was like, yeah, do it, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a history of whispering to people trying to get them to play things at tribal council. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked with Sydney. <laughs> so let's fast forward a few votes because the defining moment of this season for me was when you led the charge of getting Shan voted out, your closest ally in the game. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about your decision to get uh, Shan out when you did? And do you have any regrets about voting Shan out? Uh, zero regrets on a game level I, I, because I would have made it to the end had it not been an advantage in the game, um, that had nothing, Shan staying in the game wouldn't have gotten me any further. So no regrets there. Uh, there. There were kind of two different reasonings for taking out Shan. The first being that <laughs> it's just so silly to me. I don't understand why she told me before the immunity challenge that I was the one at risk and that she wanted to get out to Sean. I just don't really understand the timing there. And maybe it made sense to her. And maybe she still thinks it makes sense. I don't know if she considers that a misstep. I, you know, I haven't talked to her about it. Um, but the fact that she was so determined to get out Deshaun to keep me safe. And then I went immunity and she's like, you know what? 
let's actually keep this person in the game that hates you and wants you out of the game. It's fine for now. Let's just let's switch gears to Erica. I was like, what? You really are not on my side then. Like you, it, it's you've now confirmed that there is no path forward for us because you're willing to keep this person in. It would be different if you had the camp out alliance and the four of you were together and strong, and I was a fifth on the outside. But you know, they still wanted to keep me in the game. But it it really changes things if you're going to play both sides. You're going to want to keep me and keep the alliance strong, but the alliance doesn't like me. Th those things can't really coexist. Um, so I knew she needed to go then and a portion that was cut out of the edit. When Shan said, it's not the time after we're crying and I said, I'm surprised that she told me the truth. She said, after this vote, we can go for each other. Let's just make it through this vote. We can do it at seven. So she had given me permission to go for her in one vote when it would have been four of her alliance together. It would have been three on my side and she would have had an idol. How could I ever escape and win? Like this just doesn't make sense. So it had to be that day. Was it challenging for you at all to like compartmentalize that aspect of the game? I know that for instance, we got a lot of discussion with this black alliance sort of about the difficulty and sort of like, you know, personal bonds that you have and sort of having to play the game. And you, as you mentioned, you had this bond with Shan from day one. You know, you're sharing very real aspects of who you are, things that you probably don't share with a lot of other people and relating to one another in that sense. When you've made the decision to go after her in the game, like. Yeah, did you ha was it tricky at all to, to know that you were going to make a big move on somebody who, it seems like you really have a, you, a genuine care for that person? Um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I don't know, I, like, I just, I, I know what I need to do. And I, I, can't, I don't question myself, I, I just go with it. And I don't let outside forces question me or make me question my own feelings on something. I, I, I feel very strongly when I have gumption on something, I'm going to go forward with it. Oh, I use the word gumption because it's Deshaun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I knew it had to happen. And I thought we were in a place that she and I had so much respect for each other. If she took me out, I feel, I, obviously I'll never know, but I feel like I would have been like, damn, she got me. And we had given each other permission. And I, I would have been hurt. I would have struggled but it would be something that I could come to terms with. When she said, I, it blows my mind. I don't know if you've seen the Ponderosas. She says that she, does, she did not know I was in on it when she was voted out. That absolutely blows my mind. And so when she said, you have my vote for a million dollars, I honestly thought at that moment, she was like, you did it. Good job. Maybe I'm putting this little bit of target on you. Maybe I didn't mean to. I, I accepted that. I go with the flow. You know, I, I I stay calm in every situation. She told me I was basically going home because of Deshaun that night. And I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. Like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. But it was really shocking to find out that she thought Liana turned on her and that I tried to keep her safe. I, I just can't. I guess she couldn't compartmentalize mm. our um, her emotional connection with me and the game because I just thought it was the most obvious thing. Yeah. 
After Shan's elimination, we saw you develop a new alliance of sorts with Xander, who I, at the outset of the season, I felt that Xander was a himbo. And then I sort of moved away from that thinking and thought there was, uh, that he was not a himbo, that I had read him wrong. But now I have reverted back after watching the season finale, and I do categorize Xander as a himbo, which, for the record, a himbo is a wonderful thing to be, especially a wonderful thing to watch. In a recent tweet celebrating Erica's win, you mentioned that the two of you, you and Erica, had an alliance with Zandi, as you call him, which is something we didn't really see much of. So can you sort of color in for us what your relationship like was like with Xander in the game? And did you have a final three between Erica, you and Xander? Um, there was a final three deal. And I think that's my biggest struggle. There actually was one. Um, it wasn't uh, that's gun for each other a final five, like with Shan and I, where I find that respectful. It was we made a we made a pact. We had a deal there. Now our relationship dates to before Shan. I had solid. It's so funny when I listen to Shan's exit press, and I am not going to spend this time bashing on Shan. But it's funny when I hear it, and she's like, "Oh, it was so sad watching him. He couldn't make any friends. It was hard to watch." I had plenty of friends. I was just real stealth about it. Xander and I had a really deep connection before I told him to play his idol. That was an authentic moment. I was genuinely concerned he might be going home because of the Heather commotion. And because I couldn't, even though I'm aware in almost every situation, I could not hear the whispers that were happening at that live tribal. So I really didn't know if something had shifted and he might be going home. And we had had this moment right before tribal where we're sitting on the beach. I, I didn't feel like I was in an unsafe position, but I was watching the sunset, really trying to soak up this moment in case my game was ending. You know, I just I, I just always wanna, you know, be realistic that something could happen. And I'm watching the sunset, I'm just like, okay, if this is my last time on the island, I wanna remember this, I wanna remember what log I'm sitting on, I wanna remember everything I'm seeing. And he came over, he asked if he could sit next to me, and we just sat there, like our elbows touching, <clears throat> cuddled next to each other. And then we gave each other this really big hug, like I had never had a moment with him, and we're hugging. And he's like, love you, man. And I said, love you, man, too. And we just had this bond. It just happened so quick. And so when we were there, although I did want him to flush his idol, that was not like at the forefront of my mind. It was in the back of my mind. I wanted him in the game. And at that point, I had already started an alliance with Erica that Shan did not know about. The day that she came back from um, exile, and the whole twist had happened. She had her immunity, or she was safe, she had her buff. I had my immunity necklace, and I made the conscientious decision of, you know what, I don't know her, but she's safe, and I'm safe. And I have every reason to, for it to be acceptable for me to dislike her, because she made me in an unsafe position temporarily where I had to fight for my life again. But I'm going to approach her and start a friendship while we're both safe, so it's an authentic one. It, I think it, it's always tacky when people are like, oh my God, I might go home. And then they go up to someone and like, hey, we've been friends forever, right? You're gonna vote with me, right? It's like, this is so fake. But I didn't need an ally at that moment, but I still shared with her everything Deshaun said about her, everything Heather said about her, that everybody wanted her out. And we created a friendship when I didn't need an ally. And I think that solidified us truly where I could then, i sorry, this is a very long answer, but when we did the split tribal council and I went back to Ua Beach with her, 
I mean, look at the numbers. Three Luvu against two Uwa, and she's safe. The easiest thing would be to take out one of the Uwas. And yet my relationship with Erica is what saved us. Hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, I had really great relationships with those two. They are very close to me. I really love them. And credit to you for very savvy gameplay and being sort of strategically minded, but sort of like thinking, I was going to say like several steps ahead, really. But let me ask you this, because you mentioned this final three. It seems to us, the audience, that Erica and Heather had some kind of final two. So where did Heather fit into that equation? Did you believe that Erica was actually willing to cut ties with Heather? Oh, yes. Um, So it was kind of this funny thing where it was more likely for me to bring Erica because I... I liked her more as a person. Um, and because, in my opinion, Heather was a better player than Erica. And so, like, strategy-wise at that time. And so they were constantly trying to create a final three. Like, Erica was coming to Xander and me, and we were a final three. But so was Heather. Heather was like, you know, I'm going to have to take out Erica soon. Like, we have resumes that are too similar. I'm going to have to take her out. Those were very real conversations that were happening. So I don't think they ever really wanted to be final two together. And if they did, that confuses me. Hmm. Let's talk about Heather. Because <laughs> there's been uh, a number of leading comments made about Heather by contestants in their exit interviews. And it leads us to believe that her story wasn't fully shown. What did we not see about Heather? And what was your relationship like with Heather? I'm shaking. (laughs) (laughs) So Heather is, uh, I don't, I'm rarely at a loss for words. She's interesting. Um, I, she's not somebody I root for in life. Like I, I don't like her much. Now, we had a pretty good relationship out there based on just like our histories. Like we bonded. We actually did have a really cute conversation the first day of the merge. It, it was really sweet. And I actually like really was into her. I thought she was really cool. Now there's one moment maybe two days later where she's asking me a question and she wants me to like promise something to her that I'm going to like follow through with a vote or something. And she, she does this thing where she looks at you and she says, look me in the eyes. And she gets really close to you and she like forces you to look her in the eyes. And she said, swear on your kid, swear on your family that you're going to do this. And it was like, truly that moment for me, I was like, no, I'm done with her. Like, I'm going to work with her, but she's not my friend. Cause I, I didn't appreciate that. And I was very stern, like, I will promise you, but I am not going to do this. Like that's inappropriate. Um, God dang, I, I'm like kind of nervous saying all this on a podcast. But I mean, that's that's what happened. Um, now her gameplay, though, I'm I feel I, I you know I did my uh, press interview today, and I put the word. You know how they do a word association. Mm-hmm. I wrote. I tried to write down what I had said so I wouldn't forget, and I put underestimated because people really underestimate her. She played a good game. I'm not going to say it's phenomenal, but she put a lot of work into plans. She, I, I admire her because I feel like she was very similar to me. Shan was a, a force of her own, and she could come up with amazing strategy on her own if 
that's what she wanted to do. But us as a duo, I was just like really good at it and she was good at like making it happen. And so we were a really good team. And I feel like she was that with Erica. And so she would come up with some pretty good ideas. And Erica was the one who would implement them, which was even more tricky because Erica didn't have the social capital with everyone but still was liked more than Heather. Because as you've heard from the words people say about Heather, no one really liked Heather. They were bothered by her. I, 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 it's, and all for different reasons. Everybody had a different reason. And so, uh, but I, I have to give her credit. Like, if it was Erica and Heather in the final three, I would probably vote for Heather. Wow. Mm. Because their games were so similar. Like, I have to take that into account that they had similar games and they did all the same moves, but Erica had a lot of luck on her side, and I don't think that's something to discredit her, but it's still a lot of luck on her side. And I know people would then make the argument of like, well, Heather didn't need the luck because nobody was trying to take her out. That's actually BS. Everyone wanted to take out Heather. Nasir tried to take out Heather. Tiffany tried to take out Heather. Shan tried to take out Heather. And Danny could not stand her and wanted her out multiple times. And she was able to find a way to stay in the game. So she needed to stay safe. That is why she participated in challenges when we could have gotten rice. She didn't just do that for fun. She, she felt unsafe. And she put in the work to stay in the game. And I really give her credit. So that, those are my thoughts. I... Oh my God! the The Heather mythology is growing exponentially. Oh my today. God! It's like I still get DMs today with people casting who they want to play Heather in the movie of Heather's life that we've dreamed up. I mean, but thank you for filling this in. I have a feeling we could go the rest of our time now talking about Heather, but I will divert. Um, I want to ask you about that final advantage that Erica found. Mm -hmm. Though it was described as a small advantage, uh, it seemed anything but. Uh, and I have to imagine, had you found it or anyone else, you, Ricard, might very well have won the final reward um, and gained immunity. Do you agree with that assessment at all? And, and as you're watching it now in real time, as a viewer of your own experience, which I imagine has to be so strange. Um, as you're watching it, did you have that same inclination that it's like, if only she didn't have that little, I was gonna say little advantage, huge advantage that you could have won? Um, I will, I'll say two things. I absolutely feel I could have beat uh, Erica if there was no advantage present. I absolutely do. Um, because I was really, really far in the puzzle. Now, I don't know if that necessarily means I would have won the challenge because I don't, I didn't see the other two people's puzzle. Now in the edit, I did not hear anyone say like, Xander's in the lead or Deshaun's in the lead. Um, I think Xander was doing a pretty decent job, but he was building his uh, puzzle vertically. And so even if he had it all together, he was going to have to put it back down and it would probably fall apart. So probably I would have beat him, but I think he was in like kind of second place with his up and down one, which was odd. Um, so it, that's tough, but I, I do think 100% I would have beat Erica. And, you know, it's really tough because Xander and I, we had this deal with each other that whoever won immunity, the other person would take the idol. And we were just like, that's what we did throughout the second half of the game. We just kind of went back and forth. And we had so much fun with it. He didn't find it to be threatening because he felt he was just as threatening with challenges. It's just I happened to like have the little bit more oomph, but he didn't see that as a game ending for himself. He really had a high regard for his game. Um, and so I, I, 
if he had won, I still think if he was in a power position, I think he might have played that idol on me. I do. But since he wasn't in power and he kind of goes with the flow, I'm not going to call him a goat, but I'm going to say he goes with what the majority is doing, regardless of if it benefits him or not. And the majority was Erica, Heather, and then Deshaun, because for whatever reason, Erica really liked Deshaun, even if he was so cruel to her. And so that that will never be, yeah, okay, I won't get into a whole separate answer, but I think I would have won the puzzle. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> God. Well, not only was that challenge for immunity, but it was also for a reward and a pretty significant one. They got steak, they got alcohol. Uh, I think that the idea of combining alcohol before a tribal council is not a bad idea for making good TV, but I'm kind of curious, and I don't know how much alcohol they consumed, but it looked like they were having a good time on the reward. I'm curious what that is like when your neck is on the chopping block and now you have to go to these people to potentially save your life after they've had kind of their first drink in a month. It's funny looking at myself in my camera and seeing how bothered I am while you're answering or asking this question because they were <laughs> drunk. They were drunk when they showed up to camp and I had to talk to two drunk people to save me in the game. And it was beyond frustrating. I, 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 it's difficult for me to put into words what it's like to not only, you already feel vulnerable in so many different scenarios in this game, but to be in the water with Erica, who's drunk, saying, I hate Deshaun, and like kind of not giving me any answers. And then she leaves the water and starts asking Xander about his childhood. And then she asked about, like, I mean, they, they, weren't, they weren't there. And then I go up to Heather and I try to have a conversation and she asked me to leave because she wanted to enjoy her wine. Um, like, she wouldn't talk to me. And I didn't, like, I, w I was just at a loss. I, I didn't know what to do. And then I went up to Xander, and I was like, they're really drunk, and I don't know what's going on, and I feel like they might be voting for me. I don't know. And he's just like, whoa, they're voting for you? Him, I think, I think I got to go with them, man. I was like, what? What is happening? Like, how is this real life? <laughs> and there was just really nothing I could do at that point. And I, I it was just it was tough it was really really tough and i do not agree with alcohol before tribal i don't hmm. because what like what's the point what's the point of going through every twist and every advantage and all of this to get to a certain i feel like there should be a certain point in the game where the work you put into the game should be what matters and it's difficult when i'm in this position where it's like I know there are people that dislike me. Say what you want about my game. I participated in every twist and advantage. I got advantages from other people by using my savviness and using my alliance. I made it through when I was a big threat, multiple tribal councils without immunity and still made it through. So I don't even understand this argument of, oh, well, it's not a good game if you have to win every immunity. There were plenty I didn't, to the point that I stepped down for rice and didn't, didn't even go for immunity once. I had to participate in this twist with the hourglass and that wasn't my call. I felt like I needed to participate in the do or die and I overcame that. Like I did all the things. And then for me to be at this final point where I've done all the work and two drunk people vote me out after a slight advantage of a 
more than 50% of the first three elements of the challenge being done for them, that is hard to swallow. I'll get there and I'm happy for Erica, but give me a damn minute, girl. Like, <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's shift gears a little bit. You talked about wanting to be uh, the first hard of hearing contestant to win Survivor. We got a great scene sort of in the, in the middle of the season uh, about your hearing impairment, that you being uh, deaf in one ear, um, and sort of like that you have to read lips and rely on reading lips. And I'm curious, was that did that make the game more difficult for you to play? And did reading lips ever actually serve you well in the game? Yeah. Um... It was definitely more difficult in ways that fortunately for me did not affect the overall outcome of my game. But there were moments, I mean, like with the Xander thing, now it's gonna live in infamy, me looking stupid, telling him to play an idol 19 times. But that was because I could not hear the conversations going on. And I know there's whispering and anybody else could say that, but I was in conversations. I had the social capital to be in them and I still couldn't understand what was being said to me. So that is a difference. Uh, and at night, I mean, there were so many conversations where the majority of our bonding as tribes and as like human beings happens at night in the shelter. It's pouring rain every night. I don't know why they didn't show it. Especially with like this being the hardest season, I, I'm show it was miserable at night. But they're only showing sunshine days, and I missed out on everything. I don't know most of the people's spouses' names, kids' names. I missed out on all of that until I got mm -hmm. back home and stalked them all on Instagram, because I, I I just I couldn't do it at night. It just really hurt me and it made it really difficult to have those kind of personal connections because you can't just go on walks by yourself with people. It's too suspicious. And so when you do it, it needs to be for a solid reason. I, sh I, I shouldn't do it just to like find out about your husband. And I'm gonna do, if I'm gonna do it and already put a target on my back by taking you aside, it needs to be for something valid and like important. Mm. Oh, oh, well, the second part of your question, it did benefit me. Um, there were multiple times I knew that either a plan was drifting my direction, someone could be flipping on me and I needed to do something about it. Uh, or that somebody was gonna vote for me. So drunk Heather and Erica, I read their lips when I was far, kind of far away and I knew they were gonna vote for me. Hmm. I wanna ask about the historic tribal council in which Liana's torch was snuffed mm -hmm. and we got a pronounced discussion about the internal struggle facing some in this black alliance in feeling like they both wanted to uplift one another while also wanting to play the game and how despite being in an alliance, those two ideas were often incongruous in the game. In that tribal, we heard from the black players, and then Jeff called on the white players to get their reactions, but we did not hear from you or Erica, the two other players who happened to be neither black nor white. Uh, and I'm wondering, one, were each of you given the opportunity to speak about your experiences as POC in this game? And two, if so, were you bummed to see that discussion be cut from the final edit? Um, I, I do not remember if anything was asked to Erica, but I did not speak, nor was I asked to. Um, and I don't mean that as a bad thing or anything. I, I, I didn't even want to speak in that situation. I didn't feel like it was the time for me to give my input. Um, I have my own struggles I go through and they didn't feel applicable in that particular conversation. And if I was ever going to be called upon, it would just be to uplift them. 
Um, but I, I just, I didn't want it to be a situation of like, well, me as a brown person, like I have my own shit, but it is not the same. I will never understand the experience of being black. I will never understand that. And so I, I'm not gonna say that I kind of understand it based on this. No, I understand being Hispanic and my experience. And I can only be an ally in that conversation, but I didn't want to take up any space. It was a very long tribal. There were a lot of very long conversations. And um, I already felt really uncomfortable with the conversation, not because of what was being said, but the fact that Shan was being talked at by Deshaun. And he was pouring out his heart, which is a really great thing. And I think it's a nice moment for him. But it was to, you know, release kind of his soul, let his soul out. I don't know how to say that properly. Um, but she couldn't respond. And so it was a very uncomfortable moment of him saying all this stuff to her of like why he betrayed her, why he hurt her, that it wasn't on the culture. All of these things that she can't say a single word to defend herself. And you could see how uncomfortable and upset she was. Like... I, it was really cringy that she not I'm not saying he was doing anything that was cringy, but it was cringy that she couldn't speak. And I'm like, well, I'm sure as hell not going to put my two cents in right now when she continues to not be able to speak. It was just so hard. And I had already been addressed by Deshaun that he was kind of there was this very uncomfortable portion of the conversation where it was almost like I wasn't allowed to tell a lie to break up that alliance because I needed to understand how that would look and that I would be turning them against each other based on a lie when they had a very important like mission in their hearts in this game. And it's like, I can understand that, but I'm also playing my own game and I'm not a part of this. So it's, it's tricky to be like, oh, so I'm not allowed to play the game. I, I don't really know how to navigate that. And he continued to look at me. I don't know if it's in the edit. I, it's kind of hard for me to rewatch some of the episodes. There are some I probably will never rewatch, or certain scenes at least that I will never rewatch. I will never rewatch Guy's Gate. It's just not going to happen. Um, and uh, he just kept saying, you know, if Ricard's telling the truth, if Ricard wasn't lying, and it's like, I, there's only so many times I can say this, and I, and she can't confirm that I wasn't lying, and this lie is what you're using as the catalyst of why you did this thing, but it was the truth. I mean, it was very complicated and I just didn't want to participate because of the lie portion, not because of how great the conversation was. I'm really glad it happened. I thought it was really awesome. And especially Liana, like it was so cool to be on Twitter while watching the episode. And I start to see all the comments of like, can't we just watch Survivor? I don't care about this, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, at the same time, she's like, by the way, everybody who's gonna say, why is this happening on Survivor? It was amazing. It was like the most perfect edit, the most perfect conversation. The pro she's so good at her speeches. I just freaking love Liana. It was just really, it was a cool moment to be a part of, but I didn't really need to be a part of it, nor do I think Xander and Heather needed to be a part of it. Can I ask something else about Tribal Council? Survivor 41 had a very expressive jury. Eliza Orleans would be very proud of everyone this <laughs> season. Between Tiffany's commentary and Shan's facial expressions, 
How much, if at all, does the jury influence the events at tribal council? Now, this is like kind of a hot conversation or hot topic for me, um, especially because I was surprised it was kind of acknowledged in the final episode yesterday. Xander conti- like said multiple times, it's clear the jury was disappointed in this and this. It was clear the jury this and this. What was really tough was the jury is supposed to sit there and be quiet. They are not supposed to do anything. They're not supposed to make faces. They're not supposed to interact. They're not supposed to whisper. And with our jury, there was a lot of whispering to the point that Jeff repeatedly told them to stop talking. There were a lot of facial expressions and a lot, a perfect example that was shown, because a lot of it was not, was when Heather said, you know, a lot of the people that I was able to last longer than them in a challenge were already out of the game. And they kind of laughed at her. They made faces. They rolled their eyes. It was, but it was audible. And so even if you weren't paying attention to them, you knew that they were making fun of her. And so there was the conversation that was happening before Liana was voted out of the game where um, Erica was saying, you know, this is what's best for my game, keeping Ricard in the game. Like, I want somebody I can trust. I want blah, blah, blah. And audibly, the jury pretty much confirmed by their mannerisms and their laughs and whatever that they did not respect Erica's decision. And what's difficult for me is, I don't know if I was able to sweet talk Erica into being like, no, this is still the path. We're gonna make this happen. It was a consistent conversation that she was saying, the jury doesn't respect me. The jury doesn't respect me. And it wasn't just an assumption, it was verified by their reactions that the jury did not respect her decision. And so it was an obsession to get me out of this game because the jury did not respect her. And if they don't respect her, She's not going to get any votes. So there's no scenario where I stay in the game. Now, it's very unlikely they wouldn't have still tried to vote me out, but I can't help but think, is there a a world that exists where the jury had actually shut up and they didn't know what the jury was thinking because you shouldn't know what the jury is thinking until final tribal council. But we knew ahead of time, and I think that's really unfortunate. Hmm. Ricard, is there anything that wasn't shown on the final product on television that you wish had been shown? Yeah. Um, There was a home visit kind of situation. Uh, When I won the Pizza Under the Stars reward, there was... It's really cool. So (laughs) we were walking into the sanctuary where the, um, the merge feast was. And where the final trek was that was in the middle of the night with Sydney and Tiffany, or not, not final, mm-hmm. but Sydney, Tiffany, and Brad during Advantage Get In episode where everyone hated the episode. It was the whole season was destroyed because of all the advantages. And um, as we're walking up, and I couldn't hear it very well, but you could hear a little voice saying, Baba, Baba, hi, Baba. And I was like, I, I couldn't understand what was actually being said. And Shan knew me so well, she's like, you're Baba, aren't you, aren't you Baba? And I was like, I'm Baba. What the fuck's Baba? Like, what do you, like, I didn't understand what was going on. And especially because when I left, my daughter could not speak, and then I came back home and she could speak after the game. And so when I was walking in, the, are you cry? I'm gonna cry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just very touchy. Stop it, Evan. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
my husband was there and he had cropped out his belly. So like it was just on his face and my daughter was next to him saying, hi, Baba. Hi, Baba, we miss you. And it was my first time hearing her speak. And so that, I fucking broke down. I I lost it. And then my husband says something really brief because he's really shy and doesn't like being on camera. Um, And because he... I had specifically said if they if they ask you for a letter, if they ask you for a video, if they ask you for anything, you do not bring up that baby. I don't care what you do, don't you dare bring up the baby. Unless it's bad news, like I need to know. Call production, take me out of Fiji. But if everything's fine, do not mention the baby. Um, so it was weird because I didn't know if he was still pregnant or not. That was also trippy. Um, but yeah, we all got a little visit. Uh, Xander got to see his parents and his two sisters. Heather got to see her husband and her two um, kids. And Shan got to see her boyfriend. And so, yeah, we, we had a family visit moment that was cut from the show. Mm. And my, I feel like if either I was the winner or if Erica was in that group, it would have made the edit. Because mm-hmm. you would have wanted a more emotional bond with the winner. Um, but because it was not such, they cut it out and made more room for Shan's hero exit, which was a beautiful episode, and I loved it. So it's Absolutely, but still disappointing to not even have that as a secret scene. Um, but we only have a few minutes left, and we want to make sure we get to all of our questions, so just a few last questions. I'm wondering for your thoughts about Erica's edit. Um, she spoke out in a recent interview saying she had complicated feelings about it. And ultimately, she put it to the audience to ask themselves if the way we, the audience, watch the show needs to evolve in terms of, you know, asking the question of if there even is a such thing as a winner's edit and, like, what that winner's edit really means at the end of the day. And Sean and I have talked a lot about this, about this very subject on this podcast, citing the fact that, like, there are some underrated winners who effing won the game. And if you win the game, you are good at Survivor. So I'm just curious for your thoughts around Erica's edit and her reaction and, you know, in stating that sort of her complicated feelings about it. Um, I can't speak to her reaction. I have not listened to any of her exit press. Um, We haven't spoken yet since, I mean, like it just happened. So we haven't spoken. Uh, And I know I do see a lot of hate online and I think that's really undeserved and really shitty. So I understand why she's staying away from her phone. Uh, Edit wise... I mean, it's there are a lot of things that are surprising, but I'm I'm no expert. Um, I feel like there are a lot of storylines that didn't make it that are surprising to me, and I kind of feel like you should focus on you should focus on the winner primarily, but also you should focus on the real stories that happen and not like amp up the stories that weren't important. And it's kind of tough because I feel like. Maybe it's not the winner's edit, but I feel like it shows everything that happened for her. I don't think anything was left out. So I don't really know how to balance that with, I have no idea what happened at um, Luvu camp before the merge, except what I saw on the TV. But from the merge on, everything and kind of, and then some was added in of Erica's edit. And so, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Uh, I still feel like you didn't really get as emotional a connection to her as they could have done. Like, you could have seen a lot more of, of her funniness. You could have seen a lot more of her, like, her real friendship. Like, we had real friendship. They could have shown that and, like, really shown that she, like, was kicking ass and making 
fewer relationships, but the relationships she had, she had were phenomenal. She she was like my shoulder a lot of the time. She was great. I confided in her with everything. We had this cute moment when we met where she's like, my favorite player is um, Todd from Survivor China. And, you know, you kind of are like him. You're basically the Survivor 41 Todd. But I shouldn't trust you. But I do for some reason. Like, we had to just this cute little, like, banter. And we just trusted each other when we were really good friends. And I think they could have shown a lot more of her. But move-wise, I really think they did her justice with her game. And I, I do. And because you mentioned it, justice for Todd. We love Todd on this podcast. Justice for Todd. I love, love Todd. <laughs> Ricard, are you ready to play this game again? Yes. Yeah, I am. I, I, I appreciate the game. I feel like I had a complete story that doesn't really require, you know, the second chance of what would I change. I, I think I more have, oh, I could just play a new game and see how that goes and see if I'm capable of a new game. But yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I, I am. I want to play more than anything this game again because I'm really good at it and I think I'm made for it but uh it, it's it's a tricky thing because so many people go back into the game saying oh well you know I made that big mistake and I'm just not going to do that this time I don't have that so I don't really know what my future looks like mm. and I don't know if I'm warm and fuzzy enough to play a warm and fuzzy under the radar game <laughs> but I could try well I would like to see you play any game Again, I think you're a shoe-in to come back. We want to see it. We want to see a duo season with you and Shan and, you know, Steven and JT and all of the rest. Great duos. Yeah. I think that's the way we get Amanda Kimmel and Todd Herzog back on the show. <laughs> I would, I would, you know, I would love to play with Shan again, but I kind of feel like, uh, what is it? Like a villain duo thing. Like me and Deshaun that would be, I think, more entertaining. Obviously, I want to play with Shanigan, but like me and Deshaun as like a team, we have to stick together. Oh my God, it would be a disaster. But I also <laughs> could see like a Stephanie, uh, Bobby John situation where like mm -hmm. each of you are coming back and sort of like managing a tribe. I mean, there's lots of possibilities. Mm -hmm. I do want to say though, before we let you go, you know, this is an LGBTQ plus friendly podcast and we really focus on LGBTQ plus players. And I just think I speak on behalf of a lot of our listeners in wanting to thank you for all you brought to the show this season, the dynamism that you brought, the conversations that you brought to the show. And, you know, just as the Black Tribe, uh, excuse me, the Black Alliance was talking about not wanting Black to be seen as a monolith. Similarly, queerness is not a monolith. And I think that you really helped bring nuance and value to the canon of great queer players on this show. Thank you. It, it's really, we all have dreams about what we want our experience to be like, but to actually be in it and realize that I almost set a record for a queer player. Like, I almost did it. And I almost it's just so cool. I made it further than any other hard of hearing person. And like, I would have been a really awesome Hispanic winner. Like, it's just so cool that I actually kicked ass with all the little things against me. And it was a great time. So I didn't, I didn't say that very eloquently, but I just, I'm really proud of myself and I, I can't really say it any other kind of way. We are so proud of you too. We had such an great time watching you on this season. We hope to see you back. We thank you for listening to our podcast. 
uh, because I think that you've been a great supporter of us here at Drop Your Buff. So we're so, so yes. thrilled that you chose us to do your first sort of long form interview post season yeah. 41. I know the listeners are super excited about it and we're super excited to have you on. We hope we can talk to you again more in the future. There's say. just so much to say. Well, also, we need to have you back on because, like, right now, obviously, we're focusing on season 41 because it just happened. But, like, we need to have you on to, like, talk about Survivor more holistically. So I think it goes without saying, but we'll say it just to be sure. You have an open invitation to this podcast whenever you feel so inclined. I mean, I saw your Mount Rushmore at Ponderosa, and I got to (laughs) say, you know your shit. You know it. I know them all. I know them all. Although I have some questions about some of those places. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Ricard, we won't keep you any longer. I want to say congratulations on the birth of your son. You did make it home in time, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. It's a great story in the season and a great way to sort of like send you off there last night. So congratulations again. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay, Evan, that was Ricard. What did you think? Well, you know, I'm thinking right now, like we've done a couple interviews so far, right, with former players. And, you know, let's zoom in on like someone like Courtney, for instance, who hasn't been on this game in 10 years. And so really is reflecting on experiences in great detail that happened a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Contrast that with this interview, right, where we have a player who not only just played the game this year, played the most recent season of the game, so can speak to sort of like the changes happening that are very unique to this season. And then because of the unique circumstances of reading the vote live at Tribal, um, both like experienced, had this unique (laughs) experience of knowing the winner a long, long time ago, and then also having to like watch with people who are experiencing in real time. There's just so much to that. And contrasting that with someone like a Courtney who we've had on, I thought it was really exciting because there's a a heartbeat about Ricard. He's speaking with a little bit more intensity than these other players who, Mm -hmm. you know, they're thinking back upon memories from a long time ago. Time heals a lot of wounds, right? And with Ricard, whatever wounds, and I'm not saying he's got wounds necessarily, but I'm (laughs) saying whatever whatever he's got from out there, it's still in his body, like psychically. It's still fresh, yeah. Yeah, and so I really just enjoy, there was like, he's just kinetic, and I feel like we really were able to like uh, latch onto that and like kind of go for the ride. So I had a good time. Yeah, particularly I think about when he was talking about the uh, so-called slight advantage that Erica had in that final five immunity challenge. Um, you know, I like as a fan watching that, I think it's bullshit, to be honest. And it was kind of nice to hear Ricard say the same because I think we're so used to these diplomatic answers. And it's like, as the victim of that advantage, it's like, yeah, we like, let's say that it sucks. If something sucks, let's say that it sucks. And totally. so I appreciate him going there. I know, like, you know, not that I think Erica's ever going to listen to this, but like, if Erica heard this, she, you know, she may feel a certain type of way about hearing that. But I mean, it's, it's true. So. Uh, You know, that made me think about the fact that, like, what a unique circumstance they're in right now. Because it seems, and again, this is just perception, it seems like this cast gets along pretty well on the whole, just from the amount of, like, selfies we've seen of them taking with one another, etc. And so it's curious in this, like, round of press cycle uh, for all of them that you might be asked about something that happened in the game at one point that you're not necessarily holding on to, but when it gets brought up in an interview setting... You're kind of reminded of something and you're like, yeah, that was 
they were a fucking dick that day or whatever, <laughs> whatever it may be. Yeah. And so it's interesting just, and I'm not saying this is exactly what happened in our circumstance. I'm just saying in general, it's interesting to think about this round of press for all of them um, and having to other people respond to moments that they're reliving that you might not have thought about, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's cool just like hearing all of them and a lot of them who are good with each other now are willing to say, we had a moment where we weren't so good. And I like that. I like hearing about that. And that it's still evolving is so fascinating mm-hmm. to me. I've never been like in the middle of it in this type of way because, you know, there was a moment where he was talking about, oh, I, I haven't talked to Erica about that. I haven't talked to her yet since her win because it just happened. So it's like, you know, I don't know what their relationship is going to be like moving forward. And I'm really curious to see. And it's like a little bit playing out in the media. And it's fascinating to watch. Absolutely. I also was just so curious, like, what are their phones like uh, the night that this is all happening, (laughs) right? Because typically you're sitting on stage live at the -hmm. the finale. And so, you know, you're reacting both with the cast that you're sitting with and then, you know, the live audience. But they're like watching this kind of drag race style. This really reminded me of drag race where it's like you're just in a bar full of people who are like, really excited. I mean, there's something really kind of old school about it. So I just was like curious, like I um, was wondering like how, what was that night like for them? You know, I heard Erica mention the fact that she was like hung over. It's like, give me a documentary film, film about Erica's the night of Erica's win. Right. Like just give <laughs> me all of like the, where she started, where she ended, et cetera. I'm just really fascinated by this press cycle. Um, and I want to say, I really liked Xander's, uh, Side note, but I really like Xander's outfit from the finale party. I know mm-hmm. not everyone loved it, but I really loved it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because, well, as I've mentioned in the last episode, uh, I did go to the finale party in Chicago. Erica wasn't there. Erica had her own party in Toronto that Heather went to. And virtually everyone else was in Chicago uh, at, at another finale party. And, uh, you know... I have friends who went to Erica's party. They were sending me pictures of Heather. And it looked like a lot of fun. Although this party was fun too, but just like wildly different. And uh, it was it was a weird experience to watch everybody, you know, like to, to be with the jury as they're watching themselves ask their final jury questions or discussion, whatever the format is now. Um, you know, and Tiffany's showing me the texts from like her family about her jury dress and all of this. It was like... <laughs> It was a bizarre experience for me. Well, can I ask you more about that? I don't want to put you on the spot right Absolutely. now. But just like what you're willing to share, because I feel like this is a really unique circumstance in that we have you with doing some boots on the ground reporting. Mm-hmm. Like how often does that happen in the Survivor verse? Um, so is there anything you can share with us? I mean, that already was a pretty wonderful thing to hear. Um, God bless. Uh, but anything more you can tell us about sort of the cast and, and anyone that sort of, you receive them as really different than you thought they might be based off of how you'd seen them on the show. Yeah. So I would say that, first of all, Ricard, our interview subject, is absolutely lovely. We spent a lot of time together. I would call him a genuine friend. And uh, that was really nice. Uh, And then Tiffany was glued to my hip the entire time that I was in Chicago the entire time and we spent like kind of the day of the finale like went to breakfast went to lunch went to the finale and it was just like (laughs) Tiffany and me 
we were the duo of the Survivor 41 finale. So that was iconic. Uh, I love Danny. I love Danny. Danny is so cool, so nice, so funny. Danny's wife, incredible. Uh, and Evie was great. Evie's girlfriend was great. Um, Deshaun was really cool and really wants to come on the podcast. So you might be hearing from Deshaun one day. I welcome the day. Uh, I also really like Abraham mm. and Sarah, our first boots. Uh, Sarah's very, very cool and funny. I was I remember very sad when Sarah left because I felt like she had so much potential and I still do think she has a lot of potential. Oh, one more thing. Voce, hot. Mm. So hot. I, like sense. so hot, I was a little uh, nervous to talk to him. So I didn't really like have a, a great connection with Voce because I was too intimidated. I get it. I mean, I I have been, I followed him briefly on Instagram <laughs> and then I decided to unfollow, but I agree <laughs> with you. You know, can I just say, sometimes it's difficult with these Survivor players because sometimes you love them like in the Survivor verse, but like mm -hmm. who they are on social media, as you and I were just talking about off the pod, I mean, uh, you and I privately, um, it just can be a commitment sometimes and you're forced to sort of like enter the world of this person yeah. without the Survivor <laughs> editors and camera people like dictating what you see. Yeah. Anywho, um, that is incredible. Um, and is there anyone that you would say... Uh, Seems like you had good things to say about everyone, just because you know the shady uh, journalist and me. I have to ask: Was there anyone who you were kind of was, you got a standoffish vibe, or just you know the vibe was off? I wouldn't say a standoffish vibe, but I think I was like, if I was disappointed by anybody, it might have been Shan, and uh, like not for any specific reason. I think I was just afraid of her. She's very tall like way taller than I ever would have imagined. And so I just am like, and I'm short, like just so people know. And so I just felt like a little twerp being like, hi, Shan, I loved you on Survivor. <laughs> and so it was like a little, but she was very sweet. She was very sweet. And it was really nice to watch. Like as uh, Ricard was being voted out, uh, I was sort of sitting at a table with Ricard and his husband. And then Shan was sitting at the next table and that she was like, you know, sort of like rubbing his arm as he was getting voted out and being very supportive. And that was nice to see because I really had no idea what their relationship was like post-game, especially with this whole, like, she didn't know that he was the one who voted her out. She thought it was Liana. And if you watch the Ponderosas, like, there's even this, like, uncomfortable moment in Ricard's Ponderosa where she ignores him, like, pretends he doesn't exist at breakfast and, like... So it was nice to see that they sort of like made up, but I was just a little mm. intimidated by Shan. <laughs> it's just Sounds the presence, like the whole aura of Shan. It's like, it's, no, I get it's, it. it's as large as you would imagine it is. And it's like a little intimidating. So I am. I think that's more this, on me than on Shan, but. I'm interested in this uh, Ricard Shan um, drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. I do want to mention, though, before we go, um, I'm really excited that we're talking to a recent 41 player. But, Sean, I think that we need to rewind the tape sometime soon and really get back to our roots. And uh, I want to get us in conversation with, like, an old school, old school, old school player. Well, I think it might be happening. Okay, cool. Great. I think it might be happening sooner than anyone's ready for it to happen, <laughs> including me. <laughs> This is going to be a case of, like, 
I hope it's not a case of uh, don't meet your idols, right? What is that? I feel good about it. I feel yeah. good about it. We've met a couple of our idols already. We, have we felt good about it after the fact. It's all gone great. Yeah, gone like. Great. <laughs> okay, with that, I got a little messy here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts about the Ricard interview, any questions left unasked you mm. know i think it's possible ricard could be back on drop your buffs buffs one day uh so drop us a dm and uh, let us know your thoughts on this interview in the meantime subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our upcoming legendary guests and rate and review this if you like it please thank you for listening bye bye, bye.